0: We're just going to go down the row here, and if someone that's written this question doesn't find that their questions been answered, you have a follow up on the and the answer or response. Then please speak up, and others who want to say something on our panel here can say something. We're going to go until one o'clock. When the bell rings, party's over. Okay. Are there any efforts to define or permeate our ISKCON vision, mission, values, and principles internally and then externally? Are there any efforts to define? I think it means propagate within our society and externally our mission, vision, values, principles. Well, everything's there in Prabhupada's books and if people read Prabhupada's books they'll receive that just as we've done here, another, for example, is the purposes of ISKCON. We're going to be doing detailing the same at 26 Second Evan. I'm sure. All over the world, different efforts are being made to let people internally and externally know what are the purposes of ISKCON. In part, that's our, our mission. And... Uh, The whole of, as far as I, my my perspective on what ISKCON 50 is, is exactly this. That there's the, again, the internal celebration, but there's also the external communication of, I like to use the language, ISKCON's gifts to the world, which, you know, means Prabhupada's gifts to the world, but ISKCON's gifts to the world, and we're a giving organization, and we're giving gifts. And what are those gifts? and our vision for how to provide those gifts. It's like, you know, it's in Prabhupada's books, for example. Establishing centers is for the purpose of fostering loving exchanges of six different kinds and details and details. But it's in Prabhupada's books. Vision, mission, goals. And detailing some of those through functions just like what we're doing. And ISKCON 50, an element of that is supposed to be, at least, that for those centers that are doing it, is communicating to media. Just like downstairs, there's that ISKCON 50 magazine, and thousands of those, tens of thousands of those are being made available to the public. It's, a, it's for the public, and it's, it's responsive it's as an instrument for that. The, the video is an instrument for that. There's another video being prepared. So it, then it's up to us to make it available. And I, I can share with you that traveling and showing it to our temple congregations, many temple congregation members have never seen that video. So if you've seen the video, make it available to others because it's, it's for the public. It's, you know, celebration inside but communication outside. What, what is this kind? What's our mission? What's our vision? What's our contributions? The tools are there, we just you know pick them up and use them according to your ability. It's related, second, are there any efforts to signify importance of context and intent of Srila Prabhupada for future generations? and going into the future so yes and it's just now beginning with the understanding as I mentioned it started it started about a year ago and then it's been through iterations and you know refinements and now it's becoming a little bit more of an internal document that then needs a committee to work on exactly these things documenting we're using this language GBC is using the language foundational document and the least the, the implication of a foundational document is, is meant not for time and circumstances meant to go beyond time over generations so documenting in a foundational document some of these things so in the future the innovation and the circumstances in the world that innovation is required it must correspond with some of these foundational ideas. So there's, there's work, and it takes years of multiple people who are deep thinkers and editors and refiners and feedbackers and rewriting and, you know, to get something that's going to stand the test of time.
1: Question. There's two questions here, one following the other. Are problems, at some sense, illusions, as souls are eternally blissful and knowledgeable? If yes, why are we spending so much time addressing and solving problems? Um, yes problems are illusions all of our problems are illusions every single one of them because we are eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss the Irish poet Yeats wrote describing the human soul sick with desire and fastened to a dying animal it knows not what it is So we don't know who we are. Wow. (laughs) Good piece of portrait. Yeah. I mean, this is general spiritual knowledge. It's not just in the the Bhagavad Gita. Many people know this. Uh, So in a sense, it's this illusory superimposition. I'm eternal. My body is temporary. I identify myself with my body. Uh, then I think, now I'm going to die. And now I'm growing old. Now I'm diseased. And none of these things are happening to me, but I experience them as happening to myself. So, if the problems are illusion, we'd still have the problem of having illusions. So we need to dispel the illusion. So, do it. Wait, wait, wait a minute, I got a few problems here, I got it. So that's why we are spending time addressing and solving the problems, because they're not easy to solve. And even if I, as a member of ISKCON, as a disciple of Srila Prabhupada, even if my illusion is gone, I have to worry about other people's illusions. That's my obligation. And in our movement, we have people with various degrees of illusions. And sometimes illusions increase and decrease in the same person, (laughs) depending on the astrology or the whatever. So, this is... One reason we are concerned about it is we are making spiritual progress by practicing the Yuga Dharma. The Yuga Dharma is Sankirtan, that we serve Krishna in the association of devotees. So, just because of that, other people's problems are my problems. And my problems are other people's problems. That's the nature of a society. But our our practice is sankirtan, which really means that if we want to go back to Godhead, basically we go back all together. It it has to be a group effort. And so to, uh, to make plans to not just save ourselves, but to save other people... That requires a great deal of work. Srila Prabhupada, for example, could have not worried about anybody. He was in Vrindavan, who's a completely liberated soul, who's enjoying his relationship with Krishna. And then why does he pack up his bags and get aboard this little steamer and come to America and make so many problems his problems? Mm. Because he was caring for other people. So it's... It, 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 it's our duty, it's our caring for Krishna, because we know that Krishna wants everyone back. We want to satisfy him, and we're caring for other people that we take on and deal with these problems, so that these illusions can be dis- dispelled, and everybody can experience, that we can experience ourselves as we are, eternal full of knowledge and full of bliss.
2: Mm. Hare, Krishna.
3: Hare Krishna.
2: These are my mentors that I set beside. So we'll see if I learned anything. <laughs> so I'm going to put two questions together. They re- they're related and they're right close together also. It says, how to see family responsibilities as service to Krishna. And the other question, how does Gurhastra Ashram, with so many responsibilities, help in getting closer to Krishna? So the um, pastimes of Krishna are within the um, framework of family life. All right? Did I got that one right? <laughs> it's in the framework of family life. So it must be something to learn from studying the past times of Krishna and possibly have to do with family life. So in family life, you have a lot of unique unique responsibilities. It's a training ground to prepare you to work in larger groups. So you have a mini government right in your own home, a many, uh, a many temple, and so you learn the rules of how to interact with each other. When you read the pastimes, you're learning not only the rules, but you're learning uh, some of the um, benefits and the uh, what would you call not the non-benefits, the uh, the disadvantages of not following the rules. Because of how different things happen to the characters, so how how so how is it in service to Krishna if you learn if you uh, if you learn the rules, and the rules are to help us to get as it's called back to God here, back into the flow of uh, of uh, of actions that benefit you and every everyone else around you. So you're trying to get. Into that, into that mood, that mode. So we're we're learning the responsibilities in our real family life, which are imitating, trying to imitate what's happening in the past times. How do you give respect to everyone that comes into your life, your mother, your brothers, uh, your enemies? And then we see if we can't um, get stronger in how we have a surety that we have uh, virtuous principles in our life so you want to see family responsibilities as a service to Krishna because you are advancing we are advancing that we now know this is the principle I should keep this is the principle I should avoid or the um, the incorrect thing I should avoid and this gets us closer because the more we can build within our own life how to get success from our actions and the more we can transfer that into our community life, into our um, Krishna conscious uh, organization, the more it can benefit from persons within there that know their responsibilities and are willing to carry them out. Hare Krishna.
3: Hare Krishna. This question is from a mother of two young children, hoping to homeschool them. And could you give me some general guidelines, how I can prioritize sadhana, health, fitness, services, outreach, in addition to educating them? (laughs) Okay, that'll be a whole course. So uh, she wants to know how can she prioritize sadhana, health, fitness, services, outreach, in addition to educating the children. Sadhana includes Mangala Artik, reading scriptures and hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. So uh, You know, to to be a parent at any time is a very tremendous uh, service. And especially to be a parent that wants to, um, you know, raise your children Krishna conscious. That's just heavy, heavy duty. So my first thing to all parents is I always say, pray to Krishna for help. (laughs) The Lord is the super soul in the heart. And he wants us to be successful because our parenting service is service to him. It's just like if you have a friend and they come and they say, Would you watch my children? I have to go do this errand. So in a similar way, Krishna actually is asking us as his servants to take care of his children. And if we really look at it like that and really kind of, be in that mood and meditation it 's very helpful because that worked for me when I realized how totally helpless I was at taking care of these children in any other ways physically, but I did homeschool my children for the most part, and it was a serious challenge, like how to cover all the different bases, like people say well you 're not letting them watch television and they won 't be equipped to deal with the world and You know, how are they going to be socialized? And and these are really legitimate questions because there have been instances when people homeschooled and their children grew up and they had to go out into the world because we don't yet have established Krishna conscious communities where our children can just matriculate, find employment, keep on running with the devotees. Mostly we don't have that. So how do you prepare a child to grow up and be conscious of Krishna and live values and yet be able to to have what it takes to deal with other people who are not conscious of Krishna. So one of the things I did was on a regular basis we did read from a very early age from Bhagavatam, from Bhagavad Gita. We had fun doing this. Prabhupada said let them play, they have a playful nature. I think a lot of times parents want our children to be many adults, and they are not. They are people, but they have to grow up to that adult state. So they have a desire to play, and we have to use our intelligence how to make the Krishna Conscious adventure fun. And so, you know, you play games, you sing songs, you take them out for walks, and what I did was, I always think, um, all of my children learned how to swim. They would go to the YMCA or the rec, and that also was a, they could interact a little bit with other children under supervision, and some of the children ended up being um, certified lifeguards because they went through all the different steps of swimming until they got to the lifeguard stage. In the summers, we would do the art museum classes, art classes. We went to the parks and did a lot of that kind of thing, so a lot of nature stuff, And, um, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says we have to be wise as the serpent, but harmless as the dove. So to be a parent today, you have to have that kind of wisdom. Like you are coming, especially if your children are interacting with other people and not devotees. They're, They're having these influences. So how do you balance that? So once in a while, you may have to watch a television show that's educational, kind of fun with your children, and ask them questions. Try to get the Krishna perspective out of that. Um, And as far as, uh, uh, let's see, we did the health. Health and fitness, the swimming classes, or some uh, sport that's not so uh, demanding all the time, uh, like, Um, services, one of the things that I learned from my mother is that at early ages we have to teach our children how to serve us and others, how to respect elders. Like coming from my family tradition, it was a heavy thing of respect. Like you couldn't disrespect your aunt or your uncle, even if they were practically the same age, just for the fact that they were your mother's brother and sister, you had to respect them. And so it was something that was inculcated in us from a very young age. And I tried to do the same with my children, and I find that to be very helpful. One of the things that Prabhupada said when he first came here was that he saw that there was a lack of respect for elders. And sometimes, even in our devotional communities, I see this, and it is not healthy. It's not like beat the child down, but it's just the way you, you, you train them up that this person is equal to their mother or their father. And there's a certain way that you could talk to them. You may laugh and joke with them, but to a certain extent, not like with friends. This is an important value because if children have proper respect for their elders then those elders are more likely to act as mothers and fathers for them. And we need the whole community Mm -hmm. to help us raise our children. It takes a village. So I hope that was helpful. Mm
4: -hmm. Okay, let's see. Yeah, okay, we got this. So the question, I thought I would take this one first because it's kind of a little funny. Um, how do we talk about the controversial past of ISKCON? Is it important to be open, honest, and ready to learn from the mistakes? And there's a second part to this question. So I'll talk the, the first ones a little bit first. I, I thought this question might be appropriate for His Grace, Rabindu Shri Prabhu. However, somehow I got this question. I, if Most of you heard him speak the last couple of days, and he did share quite a bit about um, making mistakes and what to do about that and how we can actually look at that. What's the proper way to look at this? So the first part of the question, controversial part of ISKCON. From a devotee care perspective, there are perhaps, uh, maybe not all of you, but some of you, I'm guessing, are a part and have been a part of that controversial past of ISKCON that we talk about. ISKCON is actually us. We're the ones that make up ISKCON. So if there is a past, don't think that we're not included in that. We may not have directly been a part of whatever we think might have been controversial. However, we are a part of this institution. Is it healthy to talk about some of the things that may have caused some concern for all of us? Yes, of course. Should we think about those things in ways that can be a detriment to our spiritual life? No. Why? Because we are in the material world. We are actually living in a controversial material world. And we ourselves, in many ways, are very controversial, being such conditioned souls. So we bring so much of that with us in the institution. So therefore it's very important, which we say in the Devoted Care Committee, that we examine, explore and understand ourselves so that we don't make this a controversial future, because this is not pleasing to Srila Prabhupada. So for the person that asked this question, it's really nice that we look within ourselves and see what might be controversial within me that I might need to address and how can I what what do I need to, in order to address that? So, is it important to be open, honest, and ready? Yes, to learn from our mistakes—that is the only way to learn. We must be honest. We must be open. However, as Krishnandini uh, is sharing, there is a way to do that. There, it's—we do that in a way that is um, respectful, as she shared. So, respect means, in order for us to be honest, to be open, we do have guidance. And it's really important that we inquire very respectfully, submissively, as the Prophet has taught us in the Bhagavad Gita, from those that are examples to help us to understand how to be open and honest. How do we do that? It's not a question of whether or not to do that. We must do that in order to clarify those controversial things within ourselves. However, there is a way for us to do that. And for that, we do need guidance. So this, this is a really important question for whoever wrote this question. Thank you. The other part of this question is, is brahmacharya, brahmachari ashram, a petal of Iskon's lotus? Very much from my understanding, not just the brahmacharis, but the brahmacharinis, um, this has been a topic that we have discussed extensively for years in our Devotee Care Committee, especially as it relates to the Brahmacharinis because there have been some questions as Prabhupada, when he gave us the varnas, somehow we, did, we, we, we weren't so much aware or we, for whatever the reasons were, we did not place as much emphasis on understanding the Brahmacharinis. The Brahmacharis, definitely, because the Brahmacharis are the ones that have, in the past, in, uh, in our history, they were the ones that were distributing the books mostly uh, they were the ones that were being trained personally by Srila Prabhupada to become the illustrious many of them sannyasis that we do have in our movement right now so the Brahma, so the the pedal of education is very important for both ashrams for the brahmacharis and for the brahmacharinis this year in Mayapur at the ILS uh, Sangha we had for the first time uh, brahmacharini, uh, session, which went on for five or six days for, um, two, every day, two times in a day. It was, it was amazing. And why was that? Because the, the brahmacharinis and the, and the, uh, and the brahmacharis, they also do need guidance, believe it or not. Everyone needs guidance. And so, and they need to understand what their needs are in the institution. What are your needs as a brahmacharya? other than the fact that you are being trained to be a representative of Srila Prabhupada and what does that mean? What does that entail? What does that entail for you emotionally? What does that entail for you physically? What does that entail for you in terms of understanding the sastra, which we know that the brahmacharya, this is where you spend most of your time studying. However, for all, all of the ashrams, whether it's brahmacharini, brahmacharya, whether it's the prahasthas, whether it's the vanaprasthas, it's again what's important, and I can't really express this enough, is that we all understand the importance of guidance at this time. Ultimately, this guidance is coming from Shula Prabhupada, but we still have opportunities to learn from those that have learned from Shula Prabhupada. Thank you.
0: Nice. Okay. During there's a question to me uh, in one of the slides there was a quote from Srila Prabhupada which said to draw out spontaneous loving spirit of sacrificing some energy for Krishna is the art of management now, I've, I've attended classes that Vaisheshika Prabhupada this is one of his favorite letters and favorite instructions so he he says it three times I'll just repeat it one more time because it's so nice to draw out spontaneous loving spirit of sacrificing some energy for Krishna is the art of management so now the question can you please explain this further so that I can act in service of my spiritual authorities and Krishna with full love and dedication, and believing this will help me to act more intelligently and carefully. Well, the the author of this is speaking in a, in a humble voice because um, the voice. The question is, how do I address myself? to those who are in a superior to me, spiritual authority position to me, where I'm demonstrating to them my voluntary spirit of offering some energy to Krishna. Whereas the text from Prabhupada is speaking to a manager how to relate to those who you're accountable to or responsible for and how to draw from them some loving spirit. Of offering some energy to Krishna voluntarily. That's nice reciprocation perspective on the question. My when I first read this, my thoughts went to Burijan, who wrote a book called The Art of Teaching, and I took his course uh, in Vrindavan at the V.I.H.E. on the art of teaching just after he wrote the book and he was sharing with us the audience in the class that he was interviewing a number of well-known educators you know that that are their reputation is that they're excellent educators so he was interviewing them you know what what's the art of teaching and he repeated that at least one of them maybe was more than one said you know this is ridiculous you can't write a book on the art of teaching because it's an art it's not you know paint by numbers it's it's art so you can't teach or write a book about the art of teaching but he disagreed with the gentleman because there are there are principles involved in teaching and one of the principles I don't recall what he said after that, but I'll share from my own little frame of reference. A lot of the, the art of teaching or drawing from others spontaneous, loving spirit of sacrificing some energy for Krishna depends upon the person who is trying to do that um, establishing a relationship of of trust, affection and care. When somebody feels trusted and affection and care, they're much more likely to offer some voluntary loving service to Krishna. So the manager is the intermediary or representative of Krishna, something like Rajalila was saying, you know, there's our founder acharya and then those that are representing our founder Acharya. And that being representative of the founder Acharya, that's 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 a big service. That's an awesome responsibility, just like parenting is an awesome responsibility. So there, there has to be genuine qualification as well as care. There's caring that's Attached kind of caring and your ego gets in the way you can't even see straight you can't even see what's the best interest of the individual how to invoke voluntary spontaneous loving service because you're stifling the person but so when there's genuine trust in the individual and that's my my short message the way to extend that kind of trust starts with being trustworthy. It's the you know, same mere message of integrity. How can you... If you're not a person of integrity, you're not trustworthy, you're not going to be able to do this. You can, you can certainly try to manage, but it's not going to be engendering this spontaneous, loving service of offering some energy to Krishna. You get obedience, maybe... And then, as soon as the cop is gone, then there's disobedience. <laughs> uh, so even in Prajapati'samsas, when someone has, anyway, then it's individual, spontaneous, and voluntary. It's, it's, and, and Prabhupada had the art. And those that are, exactly as Revindra Prabhu said, those that are interested in being disciples, then they can they have that capacity. They they're, then they're instruments of that person who they're the disciple of. Now the question is asked from the side of the disciple or the follower or the person who is wishing to offer some spontaneous, loving spirit of sacrificing some energy for Krishna. How do I properly regard those who are trying to draw that from me? Um, Trust. And starts with ourselves being trustworthy and it's it's just perfectly natural that the student just like in a classroom an example that Prabhupada has given a teacher is interested in teaching so they're they're giving to all the students regardless of the responsiveness of the students that's that's their that's their care then amongst all the students one student is particularly eager to learn they're particularly um, ex- going out of their way to hear more on something and, you know, a relationship establishes. A relationship of, it's just like with, with, with Narada Modi describing in his previous life. He had those qualities that just drew from the Bhakti Vedanta's special downpouring of affection. It's just natural. So they gave him everything and he received everything because his heart was open. and he achieved perfection from a nobody to a perfect person in one lifetime. Very wonderful. And prior to that, in the seventh canto of Bhagavatam, he describes he was a fallen Gandharva. He was just proud of his beauty and his singing ability and using that to woo the ladies in the heavenly planetary region and it was so noticeable he was cursed you take birth as a sudra so he took birth as a sudra not a good beginning but that quality of being eager to hear and simplicity of heart same points saralata and humility that's how
1: when I have less amount of official work then I can be able to spend more time in sadhana hearing and reading more and remembering Krishna more and meditate on the qualities of Krishna Krishna's and his devotees but if i have a situation at work then i won't be able to yeah, then i won't be able to remember krishna as much as when i don't have much work at the office now the next sentence is underscored how to remember krishna more at all times irrespective of work situation Um, I haven't uh, worked in an office since I've been a devotee. So in some ways I'm not an experienced person in this particular uh, thing. But the first thing I can answer is that, of course, your work may not be directly Krishna conscious service but it should be service that's in support of Krishna consciousness. So if you have a family to support, you have to keep yourself alive. After all, your body belongs to Krishna. You have to take care of it. How much sense gratification are we allowed? Enough to be healthy. That's what we need. I assume that maybe we need a little mental health too, but anyway. <laughs> Beca- because just to drink a glass of water is sense gratification, so we use everything for Krishna's service. So if I'm earning money in something completely unrelated but I'm using the fruits of the work in Krishna's service, then uh, That's the equivalent of remembering Krishna directly. Now, to remember Krishna directly in a work situation, uh, there's different tricks one can use. I I mean, uh, one thing is that uh, you can have verses memorized of the Bhagavad Gita that you could, you know, while you're on hold or something like that. (laughs) Uh, repeat to yourself there's a lot of times you know in a work situation where there's down moments where there's nothing a demand you're, th- th- we should make Krishna consciousness the default setting uh, of, our, of our minds so that when we're not otherwise occupied that's where it goes. And that requires that the habits. you have to need you know a lot of devotional service is requiring habits. If you have the habits of sense gratification, then it's really, really hard because you have those habits. When you get the habits of Krishna consciousness, then your mind is your friend. When you have the habits of sense gratification, your mind is your enemy because that's your mind. It's got habits. So part of our effort is to train the mind to get the habits of Krishna consciousness. If you have those habits, then that will be the default setting of your mind when other things have to occupy you. Now, Prabhupada's example, uh, Prabhupada had six children. That's a lot. That's a high demand. And he, his marriage was arranged uh, because he had very, very good financial prospects. When he decided he was going to get involved in Krishna consciousness, he gave up those big prospects, which made his home life hard because then his wife and his wife's family all hated him because he broke the deal. You know, it's an Indian marriage, so it was a deal. And he was supposed to have such an income and such prestige for the family, and he gave it up. He still had a family. He stayed at work. But he tried to arrange things so that the work took the least amount of his time. He just minimized it. He wasn't materially ambitious. Prabhupada said that when he was uh, working, he would chant his rounds uh, four, 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 four. He didn't have time to do sixteen in a row. But there was time, of course. In India, you had big lunch breaks—not not the twenty minutes you get nowadays. Whatever, you have to eat standing up like a horse. But <laughs> I see them, you know, <laughs> in New York <laughs> anyway. But, but that's what he did. He, he made a schedule where he could get his his uh, his uh, uh, uh a done according to the schedule and if one is sincere in doing this Krishna will show you the ways and make uh, the facility uh, there that, that, that you can carry on uh, your Krishna consciousness so the main thing is to convince Krishna that you're really serious about Krishna consciousness uh, there are times when you're at work when you really have to pay attention to what's going on uh, if the service is for Krishna, it's not a problem. would be no, like for example, as a temple president, sometimes oh we we need a new uh, furnace f- for the temple, and then you have to pay attention because there's three different choices for furniture furnaces and furniture furnace uh, installers, and you you can't like just be chanting Hari Krishna. You have to like pay attention to the details of the work. But since it's for Krishna, it doesn't entangle you. You're not creating any karma for yourself. And so that's also Krishna conscious. You have to pay attention. Uh, so, irrespective of the work situation, uh, all I can say is try to r- organize your life so that whatever you do it's for Krishna, directly or indirectly, but it's for Krishna. Uh, and pray to Krishna to show you the way. Because uh, uh, more than we want to become Krishna conscious, Krishna wants us to become Krishna conscious. So if we're willing to do what he what he shows us, uh, he'll show us what to do. Those are my suggestions. Okay.
2: What is the difference between following and imitating or imitation? So I want to use for my example, one of my examples is Bhakti Swami. Is the walking guru, is that his the name? walking monk. The walking monk, walking guru. <laughs> so... Uh, following you go right along the trail that he um, laid out for us or to be imitated or to be followed and you um, can make the stops that he made to be imitated or followed and you can reach the goal that he reached and for the purpose for the purpose so I want to add in on imitation and ask you would you prefer imitation ice cream to real ice cream (laughs) so to give you a little idea that an imitation is not the real thing so how do I follow um, uh, the walking monk or how do I imitate him to imitate him I could put on my orange and I can get exact number of bottles of water
0: special I, shoes it's
2: special <laughs> shoes. Walking shoes special walking shoes how much you spend on? <laughs> <laughs> and you're um I would would call them entourage, but just yeah, your helpers, your supporters, the support team. your support team. So, if I, oh, hi, Krishna. Hi,
4: Krishna.
2: So, you could do things exactly like the other person to imitate, but to follow would be a little bit different in that what is the reason, what is the purpose? Can I be my own uh, unique self in following the principles and the road that's laid out for me? So sometime in imitation you, uh, e- ego is a lot of times an imitation when you mm-hmm. want to be so much like another person mm-hmm. that you never realize your own self the if if we if we needed uh, every one of us to be back to the march then we would come out looking and having the same experience etc but if back Marj march is one of the leaders that are trying to march for a reason and a purpose and for us to understand that reason and purpose. And rather we do another march somewhere else for the same reason or purpose, as long as we have that reason and purpose within us, then we are following Bhakti Marj and wanting to bring, have, the, have the world be more God conscious, specialty would be God, uh, Krishna conscious. So what am I doing to follow a trail or a path to let the world know that there's another way of thinking out here. So, if Dr. Maharaj chose to be the walking monk, what do we choose? If we want to imitate him, we may lose the purpose of the march. Hare Krishna.
3: Thank you, Hare Krishna. Uh, My question is unity and diversity How can our movement and the overall spiritual view of Krishna consciousness learn, give and take, from other faiths of our world, given that each has their own claims to being the absolute, including the Krishna consciousness movement? So that's the first part of that question. So how can we learn from other faiths, is what he's saying. I think, first of all, to appreciate and understand that uh, when Bhakti Yenotakur, when he envisioned that one day people from all religions would join together and chant the holy name of the Lord. So here we have one of our predecessor, Acharyas, who's already given a vision, and we know that his vision is true. So when we, with maturity, make an endeavor to appreciate other religions and not be sectarian to know that Krishna is in the heart of everyone and different religions have different ways of expressing that how can we find what's common among ourselves with other religions? How can we um, find the similarities and yet let that be a point of unity and a point of growth for us? And One way that Tariq and I did it. Years ago, um, we became a part of this interreligious group that was dedicated to strengthening families in Cleveland, Ohio. We had rabbis and, and, and uh, uh, ministers and imams and Catholic priests, all a part of this group. And when we were asked to be a part of that group, you know, we actually didn't hesitate because it was kind of aligning with our mission And purpose and together we actually accomplished very very good things in the city like we got a lot of ministers in the city to make a commitment that they wouldn't marry people about 400 ministers in the greater Cleveland area to sign a vow that they wouldn't marry people without premarital education and for many of the people in the group they said that that was the first time they had ever come in contact with a Hare Krishna and the first time they had said Hare Krishna because that was my thing I would always say Hare Krishna people would ask so that was the introduction and today many of us are still fast friends and they come and support things that we do in our Hare Krishna movement and we go and support things they do in their churches and and ashrams and it actually has built a kind of really nice fellowship so I think one, one thing sometimes any neophyte does in religion has always had this sense of I'm better than you or my thing is better than yours and for us you know there but for the grace of God go I we could be in any kind of illusion or situation except for the mercy of Srila Prabhupada and that mercy was so extensive and so huge that it reached out to everyone and Prabhupada never wanted us to be sectarian he always wanted us to be really Krishna conscious and invite and encourage others to be whatever religion they were but be the best of that and the one, you know, most of you all know that my husband is Muslim and a lot of people are pleasantly, or unpleasantly, surprised about that but, you know, it has caused uh, you know, many a head to turn in a way like because Muslims and Hindus are fighting each other but here by the grace of Srila Prabhupada not only do we get along, but we help others to get along. So in that way, it's a value. Um, and then the last point is, will there ever be true unity of if ISKCON is a separate entity? Say it again. Will there ever be true unity if ISKCON is a separate entity? True, true unity. True unity. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know what they mean by that. I don't either. So, I would say let's all pray over that one. That your
1: question,
3: <laughs> well, true unity is unity and diversity, yeah. there's no problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, like Prabhu <laughs> is saying, that if we're speaking of unity and diversity, which is what our Prabhupada Thank you. Thank you. advocated, suggested, recommended, then that was separate entity. I don't exactly know what you, what you mean. Um,
0: Who wrote the question would like to clarify the question?
3: Oh okay.
4: Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, I was actually referring to the first part of the question as well, as in ISCON as a as an organization by itself, but I think you also answered it with your first explanation. So Okay. Yeah. Very Thank good. you.
3: Thank you very much. Then. Hare Krishna. Uh, can I'd like to add something. Yes
0: uh two something's some something that's a principle and, and something else that's anecdotal. Principle is something that in an earlier point th- this morning, we can reach out to others, get out of our comfort zone and be you know, be with other people that are different than us and have different at least Practice than us and ways than us, to the degree that we're clear who we are. Yes. We don't have to give up our identity to be and become chameleon-like and you know abandon ourselves and be accommodating to the point where you know we're porous and we've we've lost our identity. Those that are mature, on the other hand, can do that very gracefully and very warmly and very invitingly. it's it's, it's just a a comment on then another just some anecdotal um, (coughs) Madhavananda Prabhu who is the director of the Bhaktivedanta Hospital made a presentation at our GBC meeting that he has taken the lead position amongst organizations that are not Gaudiya Vaishnava Shri, you know the, the four sampradaya groups, leaders from those groups to come together once a year and do something that we share, and the first something is the chanting of the holy name. It's exactly what Panchamito Thakur said, and then uh, the the next is something to do with celebrating. No, wait a minute. This year is this year is ISKCON fifty. Next year is the holy name. The year after that is Ramanujacharya's appearance, that something or other anniversary. A thousand. thousandth year anniversary of Ramanujacharya. Sampradayas coming together and glorifying Ramanujacharya on the thousandth year of his anniversary. It's just, you know, points of unity amongst those that are very clear about who they are, diversity wise, but points of unity as. One example. Churu is a fantastic example of another person who understands this principle. He wouldn't be able to survive if he didn't. Of course, the medium where he is, they're really clear about their identity, and they're therefore comfortable in helping him financially and otherwise do the, the Hare Krishna thing right in Mormon country. As another anecdotal so, example. 25,000 ah yeah they, they helped him build the, the, the temple that he has and helping him build the next one mm-hmm. and just another in our audience here is uh, a devotee at Brandeis University that conducted a program that I was the invited guest what would you call that thing sound. huh sound, sound. sound. sound yoga sound. so she sent a sound yoga invite to the religious groups and when I walked in it was really interesting there was a fellow with his yamaka there was some Japanese girls with their you know that are Buddhist and uh, there was a you know the, the, the range of all the different a number of different organizations and we went around the room and you know what are you from and this and that and the other thing it was it was very interesting and when it came to chanting Hare Krishna they all enthusiastically chanted Hare Krishna it was a point of convergence, although it didn't mean they. There's our intention is for them to give up being, a, you know, a Siddhic Jew or a, a Buddhist or a, um, some girl ladies with the, the covering over the head that are Islamic. It wasn't like you know take that thing off your head and become a Hare Krishna. It was, but it was, it was nice. It was nice. It was inspiration, and I, I was I thought it was really nice.
3: One more one more thing to add, Maharaj is. Uh, in, in Cleveland, we had the Namahata program, and one thing we did for 12 years, we had a Lord Have Mercy festival in this big park, and we invited people from all religions, and we had Jews and Mormons and Bahais and Baptists, and that we had a stage, and the the every we asked everyone to come and praise God, in whatever way they wanted—poetry, dance, or music. But then the highlight was a huge kirtan that we'd have. Bhakti Tirta Swami came to some Radhanath Maharaj. It was huge. We were, it was in the newspaper. But the beautiful thing was that there were all these different religions, each sharing and everybody was so pleasantly engaged together. And we called it the Lord Have Mercy Festival. We served hundreds of plates of prasadam and that kind of thing. So it turned out to be a good example of unity and diversity like that.
4: So, this question is How do I know which spiritual master to take shelter of? There are so. One. I've <laughs> there, heard
0: that one before. <laughs>
4: there are so many variables to consider. Sometimes I think it would make things more clear for a spiritual master to choose me. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to understand who can be. who can be. Confusing. It can be confusing. So I absolutely totally empathize with whoever wrote this question because I will, I've walked in your shoe and I know many people that have walked in the same shoe. So yes, it's kind of daunting because the the followers of Srila Prabhupada, they all have so many amazing wonderful qualities and they are so dedicated to Srila Prabhupada's mission and in addition to all of that not only are they dedicated they have made so many things possible that for some of us that have come a little later to be able to participate in Prabhupada's ISKCON and they also have their different styles and their personalities of who they may be. So, one thing that's really nice in Iskona at this time is, um, no worries, the person that wrote this question, please don't be confused, because you can simply take shelter of Srila Prabhupada until there's a saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so that, so you don't have to worry that, that, that teacher is right there, coming, and you're in preparation. However, in that preparation, Srila Prabhupada is guiding us all, ultimately. So we read Srila Prabhupada's books. Most importantly, we try to live Srila Prabhupada's books. And as we start living Srila Prabhupada's books, a teacher will come to guide us in how to uh, exemplify that for ourselves and for others, and that's what's important. So no worries. Don't be too confused. Shiloh Prabhupada is there for all of us. Thank you.
0: If we get that, far. we have ten, ten minutes. We may get three more questions. Let's see. Uh-huh. Yesterday, at the bre- this is addressed to me at the breakout session education breakout session, we were discussing about how it is important to establish authority and accountability while homeschooling or teaching children in general. I'd like to know, how do we strike a balance between being authoritative and at the same time give enough choices to kids for them to choose Basically, making them independently thoughtful. Well, that's the art of parenting. And you know, my my, I'm not a parent, but I teach, and I do interact with people of different ages, including children. My sense is this very similar answer as the, how I responded before. That is, um, be trustworthy. And understand very similar to what Krishna Nandini said. Children like to play, and give the freedom to play, where it's you know it's not in violation of some principle. But then at the same time, guiding choices. When you see a child, just like you know, when, it, when we end at one o'clock, we're going to have Balaram lead kirtan for a bit. So he, here's a little boy. That he taught himself to play harmonium and, and learn different melodies and chant Hare Krishna. He just—I don't know—sat in front of a video by Yasaki or Hari or whoever he did it, and he can sing as long as you let him go. And you know, spaces out a little bit, but you know, he, he stays pretty focused and chants. So when you see a, a child has a propensity then as a parent you nourish the propensity especially propensities that are wholesome and if there are propensities that are not so wholesome then uh, rather than this word authoritative I'd much prefer guide the child to do something different and in many cases this is my preference in any case is explain why we don't do this and, you know, ask them back. You understand not just mommy or daddy said don't do this and you don't do this because mommy and daddy said so. That's why. But explain why mommy and daddy said so. And this is one of the values that we hold and this is why we hold this value and we don't go over there because it leads to some other undesirable thing. So that the the why question is addressed if there's something that's unwholesome and largely encourage wholesome. Responses and reward it and support it and grow it and do th- do those wholesome things together. That makes the affection between the parent and the the child uh, wonderful. So they want to they want the affection as much as they want the wholesome thing and just growing good quality. So the authoritative part is when it gets to the point of uh, socially improper or harming themselves or harming others a value that's that's going to lead like Mother Jisoda, you know, Krishna is stealing she said I don't mind you broke the butter pot because Nanda has so much butter but stealing I have to check that <laughs> specifically in the Bhagavatam So when there's crossing the line of something that's principle based, then some incrementally increased if necessary, but you know some draw the line with an explanation of why. And if the why isn't understood, or there's the child, sometimes children are stubborn and they're just they're adamant they're going to do it. If you say no, then you know the, the, the the discipline must. Notch up a little bit. Notch up a little bit. Those are my thoughts
1: on that one. We have six minutes. This question is for the seminar on Anartha Libriti. While a fenceless chanting and ridding oneself of Anartha's, It seems like there is room for tendency to focus too much on this or, in other words, become self-absorbed. Could you please elaborate on this or how to recognize if we are doing so and what remedial steps we could take? Thank you, Hare Krishna. Good question. Yeah, I've been through this myself.
0: (laughs) Voice of experience.
1: Um, We know the stages of advancement. If you read Madhuriya Kandamani, each stage, Nishta, Anartana Vritti, Nishta, they're, they're described, they're symptoms... We want to make advancement, and we may be anxiously looking, am I here, am I this far in this stage, or am I in that stage? Uh, um, And you may be thinking more about yourself and less about Krishna. Uh, Well, it came home to me when uh, I discovered at one time that in a sort of spontaneous way, I had uh, some feelings of humility, just causeless almost, and I became puffed up about my humility. (laughs) I was proud of being humble. (laughs) Back to the drawing board. Uh, so you have to watch your mind <laughs> but at the same time to me the, the remedy for this problem is that uh, we are not the architects of our advancement we are not saving ourselves Krishna is saving us and if we make any advancement it has become Krishna's mercy And if we can do anything is just get the junk out of the way and the false ego out of the way, Uh, and if my false ego won't get out of the way, then I can only pray to Krishna, you come and destroy it. It's bigger than me. Please destroy it. So that seems... And and
0: then when he destroys it, don't protest.
1: Then when he destroys (laughs) it, wow, I didn't know that was going to (laughs) mean that. Humility is just realism. And we should become realistic and on the basis of humility. You'll find if you read the Sashastaka prayers in the last uh, uh, chapter of the uh, Prabhupada's translation of the Caitanya Charitamrita, he tells what Lord Chaitanya is saying, thinking, feeling for each. So danya comes, humility comes, and then it's th- w- every time he recites the next verse, danya is there it gets more and more and more and more and then you know the humility of Srimati Radharani is almost really so our our path is the path of humility uh, 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 and it's, it's only realism and as humility increases f- feelings for Krishna increases and we start to love humility for its own sake uh, uh, and that's why people even seek it out more and more and more, and why, you know, all traces of pride uh, start to uh, disappear. And just like love of God has no upper limit, humility—you can, however humble you are—you can always get more humble. <laughs> okay. yeah. Very nice. Yeah.
2: What is the difference between religion and spirituality? What is the difference between religion and spirituality? Religion is a word that's. Um, is speaking of to realign yourself up with an original source Um, re meaning to do over again to do something or go back to where you started from we we start out from the baby stage and we really more natural then than any other time in our life we take on this take on that and oh I want to do this I want to do that so we want to Stay in a, a state that is designed for us to be in to be advancing human beings, working well with one another. So, spirituality is a word that seems to, the way I see it used today, is to become a substitute for religion. Because religion, in the minds of those who promote it real strong, this is just my observation is that religion has failed the people or well, maybe the people have failed the um, understanding of what religion is and not so much you know because if religion is natural the natural state how can being natural fail so you want the Sankofa bird is a bird that uh, you see it more in Africa as a bird that's Uh, the body is going forward and the head is looking back so you have a a word called um, uh, what's it called when you repent repent you like you look back and see from which you came and say hmm maybe I need to change my direction and um, so you kind of shift to realign yourself up with your original source So spirituality is like trying to say, um, um, I can be spiritual without realigning myself up with the original source. So (laughs) spirituality is really supposed to direct you to religion, but the way it's being used is as a substitute for religion.
1: You know, there's a poll, just add some, there, there is actually a poll. Most Americans consider themselves spiritual but not religious. Not religious. <laughs> yeah. That's like the standard thing.
3: And in, <laughs> in, 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 the, in the, uh, the Vedas, it explains that Krishna says, Dharma tisaksat bhagavat pranitam, okay. th- that I am the source of all religion, and that real religion means the laws given by God, but because we've messed up and we, we, we've associated religion with rituals and external practices, people have distanced themselves from that. I don't want that because so-called religious people, they're mean, they're rigid, they're not kind. So let us be spiritual, which means somehow that we understand that all things are united and connected. But what our Prabhupada did was to really help us appreciate what is religion. It means to follow the laws of God, who who gives real religion. And just because someone has perverted religion, doesn't mean that we need to reject it. So I think that the real marriage of spirituality and religion is Christian consciousness.
2: And when you're following the laws of God, you actually could go and take an ethics class and there you, it's the same thing, you know, be truthful be um, your word is your bond so even ethics you know, people say we should study ethics but it's all also religion it's all also spirituality and it's also connecting up with God and the purpose that he has for us to how we can have a better Um, earth situation living situation between each other so we have to practice practice these ethical principles that we're learning in either religion or and spirituality thank you
0: okay it's time for the final kirtan and our virtuoso Balaram is going to lead us